0: And welcome to the live show. We have multiple titles for this one as we begin the recording. We have Allie's Not Home or Mommy's Not Home because Allie's on vacation technically, but she's supposed to be here for this. But then there was a mix-up in LAX. There was a mix-up on the way in and the way out. So she got two vouchers and she's gotten to eat extra American food at LAX. And she kind of enjoyed it because Allie has a very good heart and soul. She's very patient. She's not like me. She's all like, Hey, boss, guess what? Stuck in another night. Eh? Life on the travel road, Ain't eh? Better get used to it. Uh, whereas when I get stuck or something and I have to send her a message, and I'm like, hey, uh, just real quick, I'm going to be 20 minutes late to the show, but if a single person leaves in the 20 minutes that I'm going to be late because of traffic, write down their name, try and get their IP address, let's see if I can't go over to their house, and burn it fucking down! Right. So we've got different like strategies to even each other out about performing, right? Like I'm very intense about it. Allie's saying, No worries, I. and it breaks us down and it evens us out. This is my this is my first live show without her, I think ever. Uh, she would wake like when I was in Denmark and I was doing shows there that were too hard. She would wake up at like literally like one thirty in the morning, and just to provide emotional support, she wasn't logistical. I didn't I didn't have her even a symbolic payment back then. She just did it because she was. That's Allie. That's who her heart is. So, uh, that's that's one of them, right? That's a very tender, very opening. Like, oh, mom's not home. Mom's not home. Okay, okay, okay. That's a nice one, right? So here's the second one. That is the second title. This is not my favorite. This is what I've come up with, but it's for you guys. It's a pun play. It is the Joe Rogan Erotic Experience. For those of you who don't know, Joe Rogan is going to be the opening of this week's show. Before we get into quick quotes today, girls at the live shows, go and write down in your notepad Or any other item that you want your quick quote. Because after we finish the Joe Rogan show today, we'll go right into quick quotes and then into everything else. We're going to move the show right on along today. Thank you very much for it. So, title possible two. Besides Alley in America slash Allie's Not Here slash Mommy's Not Here. Title number two. The Joe Rogan Erotic Experience. Joe Rogan has a very popular podcast. He has, in fact, the second most popular podcast. That, however, is not why I am doing the Joe Rogan Erotic Experience. I like Joe Rogan all the way back from news radio. News radio is one of the few sitcoms that I enjoyed. Uh, this is not about Joe Rogan himself, who I kind of think is too dumb. I've loved Joe Rogan a long time, but I kind of think he's too dumb to be the villain. I almost always think this is about Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a guy who, for 25 years, made fun, made fun of in a public forum openly if you believed that pyramids were made by human beings. If you believe pyramids are made by human beings, that was one of the funniest things he's ever done. And almost every routine he's done about the pyramids being made ends with how fucking stupid you would have to be to even think that for a second. Because it was clearly aliens. Because every person you've ever met is a dumb, 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 dumb person. And it just feels like a little bit of projection. By which I mean, he doesn't use words right when he does these routines. So it feels like a lot of projection. But I still love Joe Rogan. He's just too dumb to know the difference. If you bring a Jordan Peterson on who can use four-syllable words, even if he sounds like a rejected fucking Muppet, Joe Rogan will hear all those syllables and be like, oh, this guy's got it. And there's just a problem. Now, this is going to get political for a second before I go into the potential third. I know, we're getting worked up tonight. We're going places. This is a little bit political, but in my life, I'm just going to say, in media, not not in people in general, but in media... If somebody is willing to lie to make a buck, if somebody's willing to just be all like, this is who I am, I know all about this, this is my book, I'm Tony Robbins, yada, yada, yada. If somebody's just a, a asshole who's in it for themselves to sell things, they're often right-wing. They're often conservative-leaning. They're often willing to go on Rush Limbaugh's show. Yikes. That was probably a gunshot and not a firework. Whoops. Uh, (laughs) usually I think those are fireworks. That one didn't sound like a firework. So, uh, (laughs) we'll see if there's police sirens. If there's not, that doesn't determine anything because nobody calls the police in this neighborhood. (laughs) Why I live in a fortress. So let's go back to talking shit about Joe Rogan's life and how much worse it is than mine. Yeah? Okay? Clearly? All right. So... How superior I am to Joe Rogan in every way, while I live in this neighborhood. Just, hey, I get it, I live in the world. So, uh, there's just a lot of, like, right-wingers who are just willing to just say anything, and then they'll just pretend they won't. A great example of this, he's been on Joe Rogan multiple times, he's the guy who got, uh, he's the guy who made the Planned Parenthood video, that's what my audience is going to know him for, most likely James O'Keefe. James O'Keefe, uh, is the guy who made the altered Planned Parenthood video uh, that, that made it look like pimps were walking in and selling human uh, people to to various Planned Parenthood and selling the, the, the edited footage. He's, he's gone after Planned Parenthood multiple times, so you might be confusing or conflating one of the various quote-unquote stings he's done against Planned Parenthood. He went against Acorn. He's, he's been this conservative targeting liberal organizations, left-leaning, left uh, or even just, again, Planned Parenthood is not a leftist organization. I'm a leftist. That's how I know. Planned Parenthood is just fucking medicine. And so every time one of these assholes, like, targets it because it's leftist, it really does incense me a little. Because I get mad when a pharmacy doesn't have the exact kind of pill that I want. I'm talking the brand, not the medicine. That would be bad. I'm saying like, no, I wanted Tylenol, not out. right? That's how I feel about my medicine. And so if you're telling me as a woman that you would ever be okay with anybody saying like, we're going to attack the organization where you get pap smears, uh-uh. It's just pure rotten sexism. And you're a pure rotten person if you do it. It's okay to hate Planned Parenthood. I think that's fine. You could be a good person and hate Planned Parenthood. You can. You can. I believe that. You're wrong, but I believe that. It's when you cross the line and you say, I'm going to try and hurt them and take money away. And I'm not going to try and say, because I know, because I know, because I hate. That's when you become a bad person. That's when you cross the line with me. And James O'Keefe is one of those. And Joe Rogan, when James O'Keefe comes on, just can't wait to close. Like a- yeah! He doesn't ask him any questions about it. He doesn't know. He doesn't get what something like an ACORN does. Acorn's an acronym. It's gone. It was an Obama era kind of thing. And it's an acronym, which means it's five words, which means it's three more fucking words than Joe Rogan has read that day. So you're not going to be able to fucking explain it to him. He's an idiot. And when you're a smart left-wing idiot or guy who can come on Joe Rogan's show because he thinks you're left-wing enough to come on his fucking show, right? You are honest, and so when Joe Rogan starts, like, getting, like, annoyed because he can't understand you anymore, and he starts talking about, do you think ghosts have monkeys, or monkeys are ghosts? Hey, Jamie, pull up the footage of that monkey ghost. Do you think a ghost monkey could take out a ghost man? Because it's mostly the body of a monkey that can take out a man. Jamie, pull up the fucking image of that monkey taking out that man. Do you think he died and became a ghost? When Joe Rogan starts doing that shit... If you're a good, honest scientist, you don't know what to say or do. You've been invited on Joe Rogan's podcast, and you're like, Oh, man, I don't, I don't. Oh. Uh, Joe, that's a great question. I'm not really a biologist. <laughs> so Joe invites left wing guests. But he also invites a lot of right-wing guests, like Alex Jones and James O'Keefe and just really shameless pieces of shit. Just really, you're tainted if you invite them on your show, period. You're putting yourself in a certain media category, and he invites them over and over again. Not only does he not ask them hard questions, but because Joe Rogan's just not on it. He's just, he doesn't quite get what he doesn't grasp. He doesn't get that his IQ might be lower than his guest, ever. It doesn't really occur to him, has it in 25 years. Remember, Joe Rogan's stance is, if you think the pyramids were made by human beings, you're the fucking rube. How could you possibly be so stupid? Okay. You gotta keep this mindset about this guy because when he brings the right wingers on and he does over and over and over again, he'll be all like, Jamie, what about ghost monkeys? Ghost monkeys. I love fucking ghost monkeys. Alex Jones or James O'Keefe or whatever fucking David Duke or racist bullshit he has he's like, ha ha ha, ghost monkeys. You know what monkeys remind me of? So there's white people and then there's wrong people. And like it just, he lets them do it. Over and over and over and over and over again. And because Joe Rogan's a fucking moron, he will just be like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Like, unless somebody's all like, hey, Joe, black people are inferior to white people. In which case, he's like, no, 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 no advertisers, no like that. Me, no, stop. Me, stop. Me, stop. But if the fucking right winger is like, hey, man, hey, man. Did you know that black people are only 13% of the population, but commit 60% of the violent crime? He's like, really? Really? Can we look that up? Can we? Oh my God. Whoa. Whoa. What is that? I'm not racist. I'm not racist, but that's a number. Those are two numbers. And one of them's bigger than the other. And Joe's too fucking dumb. So Joe's not the villain of Joe Rogan. They're all the villains. I just want to be clear. I've loved Joe Rogan for a long time. Some people are allowed to be dumb. You don't have to have a high IQ to function in this world, especially if you're a white guy who's known for talking about white guys hitting each other better than somebody else can talk about white guys hitting each other. That's what he's known for. UFC, he's an announcer. That's what he's known for, and that's what his fans love. It's like, guys, there's nobody who could talk about people getting hit in the face better than Joe Rogan. And that's okay, all right? That's okay. You don't need... Joe, the, the UFC announcer guy, doesn't need to be a political master scientist. Doesn't need to be. Not their fault. I blame... All the idiots, like the person who's wrote the erotic fan fiction we're about to get in today, who write all this glowing praise about Joe Rogan. Now, they write some nasty stuff about him, too. They do try and take him to task. But again, the problem with Joe Rogan is that he's too dumb to know what he doesn't know. And he speaks with authority. And he lets these right-wingers on. And he's got a podcast, the second most popular podcast, which is a huge fucking platform. Right? This is not a popular podcast. Think of how many people listen to it. Think about how many people listen to the most popular and second most popular podcast. Really think about what the problem with this is. And then these guys coming on to this fucking show with Joe Rogan. They say whatever they want. Joe Rogan takes whatever bait they want. Hey, you want to talk about Sandy Hook and how it's fake? Okay. I'm Joe Rogan. Keep the money rolling in. So I don't give a shit. I don't care. I'm not... I'm not equipped to understand the difference between why talking about how Sandy Hook is fake and why talking about how pyramids were made by aliens aren't the same thing. So keep going. I'm Joe Rogan. So all of these fucking people are on and he doesn't question them and he's got a very popular podcast and I don't know if you've known this if you've noticed this about Trump supporters about the young men who go to right-wingers like Jordan Peterson or Trump or the rest of them, but they're not really fucking great at telling fact from fiction. Just being real with you, they have a real fucking trouble with it. Not in politics, really, really. They have a real problem with reality. And each and every time reality doesn't say something they like, they go back to one of their holes. They don't have a lot of holes left on the internet. You've got your 4chan, your 8chan, your Breitbart, your Fox Nations, and your Joe Rogan Experience comment section. If a Ghostbusters all-female reboot comes out, the places on the internet that are going to congregate around it are all super right-wing areas and just happen to be, in addition, strangely enough, Joe Rogan's fans on his internet. It's just one of those places. There's very few places where these assholes are allowed to congregate to any degree. But Joe Rogan's experience is one of them. And another thing that these dumbasses do when they don't like a liberal guest, or what have you, they make the numbers go bad. They go onto YouTube and they hit that down button, they coordinate, I don't want to hear that stupid fucking bitch talk, say the comments, literally beneath those sentence. And so Joe Rogan doesn't invite women on. And Joe Rogan invites a lot of quote unquote thinkers on, which the erotic piece is gonna get into today. Amazingly, out of 1,400 guests, there's almost no female thinkers. Oh. Oh, all the women he has on are fighters. Oh, Oh, is that what Joe Rogan is comfortable hearing coming out of a woman's mouth? And why isn't it being reported out? So... Normally, that's fine, because most every article written about Joe Rogan's podcast in the last three years, I read a lot of articles. I'm not just reading Joe Rogan's podcast, I promise. I'm an avid reader. All jokes aside, I read a lot. I read a lot of Atlantic. I read a lot of Vulture. I read a lot of AV Club. I read a lot. I like reading, and I enjoy it, and I hope it comes across. Wink, wink. And how intelligent I can sound sometimes. And almost every single digest of Joe Rogan as a man, as an entertainer, is about the flaws, first and foremost, because it's very frustrating. We all wish we had this platform. We all wish we had the second most popular podcast. We all wish we could get the highest level singers, because he does get Jack Dorsey from Twitter to come on his show twice in a two-month period to grill him for hours on end. He doesn't do it successfully because Jack Dorsey has a three-digit IQ, but he fucking tries, kids. He does his best twice. And the rest of us think, like, God, if we had a platform where we could invite Jack Dorsey on for I mean, come on. Me going three rounds with Steven Crowder? You tell me you wouldn't listen to me versus Crowder for two hours? Just asking him questions about why his stand-up is not funny, which is what I would do for two straight hours. Just pull up clips of his failed stand-up career for two straight hours where he would tell a joke and nobody laughed and then we'd dissect it to his fucking stupid face for two hours all the time because he's a big kind of buff guy. He's always like, I could beat up liberals, but I'm clearly like, his fucking head is the size of my bicep. So I would be the entire time just be all like, Wow, I really hope you fucking physically challenge me, brah. Because uh this joke, here's why this joke is so fucking worthless you had to become a right winger. You had to quit fucking stand-up comedy. Don't worry, we've got another 27 examples, right? Don't you wish you had that? Somebody had that? But no, Steven Crowder only goes on episodes of Joe Rogan Experience where he can be all like, Joe, I don't hate women. I just, they need to realize that every time they intervene in the providence of men, they degrade the kingdoms of man and God. I don't hate women. They just won't stop talking, and they only have value when they don't. Right? You hear me, don't you, Joe? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was listening, but then I was thinking about protein powder. So, that was a long fucking intro to get into the Joe Rogan erotic fanfic that we're going to be reading today. Normally, we read bad erotic fanfic at the end. Like, a lot of people are getting shake-up. Normally, we read bad erotic fanfic about Zordon and the Power Rangers or, or Twilight or what have you at the end of the show. It's a closer for tip shows. But today... I was just reading The Atlantic, just today, this very day that I'm taping this, for real. Today, I was reading through The Atlantic, and I came across the most breathless, single-white, female fanfic and first-person I've ever read. This is, it's really, really good, too, because the way his premise is set up, it's set up like this guy is writing an article about Joe Rogan even though you can tell, like, slow, it's a slow build, you can tell, but even though it's all about how this guy cannot stop thinking about fucking Joe Rogan and how fucking hot Joe Rogan is. So I know, I know. So here it is. Again, it's going to sound like an article at the beginning. I'm going to skip around a little bit. It's going to sound like an article at the beginning, but don't worry. After a little bit of it sounding like an article, you're going to realize, like, oh, this is fucking, this is erotic fanfic. Here we go. <clears throat> I bring you the Joe Rogan erotic experience, slash being Joe Rogan's bitch. Then I would go to the gym and crush it for about 18 to 20 minutes. Joe Rogan used to be a Taekwondo state champion. He enjoys grilling elk that he shot with a bow, and he works out with a maniacal zeal you'd expect from someone who has a favorite mushroom. Aside from the weed, which he very much enjoys, and whose legalization he supports, and whiskey, which he enjoys maybe even more, and that's an awful, awful lot. Joe Rogan's body is a temple. Few men in America are as popular among American men as Joe Rogan. It's a massive group congregating in plain sight. And it's made up of people you know from high school. Guys who work three cubicles down, who are still paying off student loan debts, who forward jealous girlfriend memes, who spot you at the gym. Single guys, married guys, white guys, black guys, Dominican guys with only black guys among those three terms being lowercase. What a shocker from a Joe Rogan fan. Two South Asian, both capitalized, friends of mine swear by him. My college roommate, my little brother, normal guys, American guys. Rogan's podcast gushes like a mighty river of content, approximately three episodes a week, usually more than two hours per episode, consisting of one marathon conversation with the subject of his choosing. It's impossible to be a Joe Rogan completionist, so most of his fans pick from a few tributaries. The rest may as well not exist. Who can keep track? Rogan is a key figure in the rise of MMA. Dana White once called him, quote, the best fight announcer who ever called a fight in the history of fighting. End quote. Joe Rogan has somehow become a generational voice for men. Rogan's courting guys who get barbed wire tattoos and fill their fridge with monster energy drinks and pre-order their tickets to Hob and Shaw. Joe loves these guys and his affection has none of the condensation and ironic distance many people fall back on. In order to get comfortable with them. He shares their passions and enthusiasms at a moment when public dialogue has branded them childish and problematic. Hobbes and shaw? Hobbes and shaw childish or problematic? Who? What little feminized bitch boy could ever think something like that? Ooh. Most of Rogan's critics don't really grasp the breadth and depth of his community he has built, as they act as though their trying is pointless. If they decide they want to write off his podcast as a parade of alt-right idiots and incels, they'll find evidence enough. But Rogan declined my multiple interview requests. He does not lack for places to speak unfiltered. So instead, I attempted to live like him trying on parts of his life, the ones that seem to engage and motivate his core listeners. It seemed to me like the next best way to get into the head of a type of man who's lived a very different life from me, whose concept of masculinity is far more prevailing than anything else. I experience Joe Rogan in some form or fashion every day, for six weeks. Rather than use nearly a three-hour interview to challenge Musk on anything of substance, Rogan let him use the podcast to burnish the myth of his own implacable brilliance. One journalist wrote, If traditional media were pissed about anything relevant to the Musk-Rogan interview, it was the extent to which Rogan got played. Played?! Imagine writing that about one of the most discussed and downloaded podcasts of 2018, Rogan, the one who handed Elon Musk a spliff on camera to get him to smoke it, thus earning the national headlines for himself and millions of listens for his advertisers got played? Oh! In order to reach such a conclusion, you have to begin with the presumption that interviews must always be some form of combat with winners and losers. There was also much sneering at the episode's faux intellectualism, the way Rogan and Musk often sounded like like a couple of freshmen ricking heads in a college dorm room at 2 a.m. Which would be a fair analogy. If, if the other person in the dorm room was Elon Musk, and after everyone passed out, he went to the engineering lab and built a rocket. Don't talk about daddies. I love them. Rogan seems like a regular Joe, but he's not. He's driven, inexhaustible, and an honest-to-goodest autodidact. I used to think of myself as a pretty pan-curious when it comes to the job, but Joe Rogan experience was humbling. His brain is wicked-absorbent, like Neo in The Matrix, uploading knowledge through a spear jammed into the back of his hot skull. His freak of nature, the most of his fans cannot, in fact, stand that they can't be like him. One of the downsides of the total normal of optimization is that you're always coming up short, and in the wrong stew of testosterone and serotonin it can turn into a poison of self-loathing and triggering and I have to start skipping here because for the next 2,000 words and there's literally 2,000 more words from here it's literally just licking Joe Rogan's ass so I'm not going to go over that if you do want to read another 2,000 words after everything I just read and everything I just read was a quote That's all just the prelude until he bends Joe Rogan over and licks his asshole for 2,000 words until he finally works himself up and can jerk himself off and come. That erotic fanfic is in The Atlantic. It's written by Devin, D-E-V-I-N, Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N. Devin, if you're out there, and because nobody else is talking about this fucking article, I have to imagine that you've seen somebody, like, say it. Hopefully, you've listened this far. I don't think you have, but if you have, Devin, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, we have a lot of fun on this podcast. We just make a lot of fun things. But your idea to pretend to be a real journalist and write this in the first person is brilliant. I didn't realize that you were pretending to be an actual journalist until, like, halfway through. And that is so fucking funny because nobody, nobody, no journalist in the history of journalism would write in a piece that they're trying to get other people to talk about how smart somebody must be. If they were on YouTube, got a famous person who doesn't do interviews very often to come on their YouTube channel, didn't give them any kind of trouble, but in fact gave them a giant platform for hours and thus got extra views, if that person can only be described as smart by a quote-unquote journalist, come on, man, you can't make it so obvious I haven't met a single journalist who's that fucking worthless. I have met a lot of shitty fucking journalists. I used to be in LA. And yet I've never met a journalist who's so fucking stupid that they would write that, put it in print, sit into their editor and send it out for money. I've never met a journalist that fucking stupid. So your idea to put that little bit in there to show that you're not a journalist and it's all just the erotic fanfic? Brilliant. I think the fact that you wrote just two other stories before you put this one up and they're also about fucking daddies like Elon Musk and Joe Rogan, it's a little on the nose for me, but you have to do you, Devin, because you are a, quote, writer type in New York. And, well, somebody has to write about going to the gym, thinking about Joe Rogan for their 20-minute workout, and then tonguing his asshole for 2,000 words. Right? I mean, nobody else did it. So it was time for you to show the fuck up. Thanks, Devin. Thank you, Devin. We really appreciate you taking that hit for the rest of us, showing us how not to be a journalist if you're writing a fake one. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. Quick quotes. Let's move right on into quick quotes. Quick quotes. Thank you. It was an awesome opener, and I do hope he listens because, like, 18 people read this article. Like, even though he tried so hard to get every Joe Rogan fan in the world to read this article, he couldn't. Uh, He made a miscalculation about Joe Rogan fans and reading. But uh, I I don't think anybody who wrote as stupid as... as, I mean, everything I read was a quote. I didn't play anything up. That was all verbatim, baby. That's just out of that dude's mind. (laughs) So that's what that dude writes to turn in for money when he thinks about himself for a six-week project. Imagine getting an article on the fucking Atlantic that you get a six-week fucking time to put your byline on, and you're like, uh, Joe Rogan? I think Joe Rogan's really hot. I can't believe some people in this world. Quick quotes make me stop talking shit about Joe Rogan. I used to love him. I did before he started fucking giving right wingers all the fucking road in the whole goddamn world. Joe Rogan, wake up! You're being played every single fucking podcast. <laughs> Joe Rogan, you were a, you were a Jedi. What happened to you? Come back, come back to the. Are you wet for me, baby? Oh, good. Shh, you don't have to say anything, little girl. I can think of better ways to use that mouth. Oh, you look so cute and helpless like this. Baby, wrap your hair up. It's going to be a long night. You're going to love me before we get through. Come and sit in daddy's lap, baby girl. Darling, don't be too shy to dance. What, Burrito. Can't take it away. I saw it. You can't take burritos away from me after I see them. I'm like a child. I'm like a child if they woke up on Christmas Eve at 3 a.m. and they see the gifts under the tree. Guess what? It's now officially Christmas. You're not getting them back asleep. Let's fucking deal with it. <laughs> uh, come and sit on. Oh, wait. Baby girl, come ride daddy's car. Kitty, so nice to see you. Thank you for coming out. Come here, little girl. Sit on my lap and let me molest those little girl tits. Welcome home, little girl. Now time to show Daddy just how much you missed him. Strip for me, baby girl. Daddy wants to put his hands all over you. Where do you think you're going? Come back here right now. That's it. Over my lap. All right, guys. We're finishing up Quick Quotes moving on in because we've got a lot of great requests tonight. And we were here a little bit long and extra at the beginning because of the Joe Rogan erotic experience. Slash. Still haven't come up. I haven't decided yet. Slash. Being Joe Rogan's bitch. Being Joe Rogan's bitch. Leaning towards it. Being Joe Rogan's bitch. I always miss Alex every time she's not around. You're doing your best, and I'm so proud of you, little girl. <laughs> okay, guys, if you haven't said anything tonight, you do want me to say just one thing. Put it in. If I have missed you, put it in. Like I said, we're missing Allie. That's why I'm here sober. That's why I'm here a little bit more ramped up than normal. The weed's not here to stop me. It's just Jack. There's no weed to calm me down or even me out. There's no booze or anything. There's no... Well, there's a little bit of caffeine, but not enough to... This is just how Daddy wakes. This is why Daddy doesn't drink caffeine normally, and why he's doing weed all the time. This is just who he is. I wake up, and I'll read something, and I'm like, you know what I can do? I can write 10,000 words faster than you can write 1,000 words. And I can write all 10,000 words about why your 1,000 words are stupid. I can do that every day, but I don't want to, so I want to smoke a lot of fucking weed because, my God, you know what people think as an attack on them for some reason? Do you know what people think is an attack on them for some reason? Is if they write a thousand words and then, like, later that day they see ten thousand words were written about them, they're like, oh, wow, oh, wow, holy shit, that's a crazy fucking asshole. So then they write another thousand words, like, the next day, right? And then another 10,000 words shows up, and they're all about this guy being an asshole or an idiot again. it's like, oh, no. For some reason, if you write 20,000 words over two days about why someone's the biggest fucking idiot you've ever heard, they tend to think that you're after them for some reason. I don't understand it. One of those quirks of human psychology. I don't get it. Kamisha, thank you so much for coming out Wow, we've got a lot of new girls tonight Okay, uh, I guess we're just gonna We're gonna have to move on from Quick Quotes I'm so sorry for this, guys uh, Again, Ally, she kind of keeps things going Going, so it's okay we're, It's okay, we're rolling with it There's a lot of excitement Hello, new girls Alita, if you want me to say hi and you're new, just say hi We'll say hi, and that's how we'll finish up Quick Quotes This is how Daddy does it now Let's not get frustrated Let's just roll with it. This is where the energy is. Girls are coming in. They're saying hi. Hi, new girls. Hi, gray princess. If you've never said hi, say hi, and I'll say your name. It'll be a little thrill for you. It'll be recorded. Hello, Alex. Everybody coming in, and then we'll move right on into poetry. Hello, blue lights, babe. Hello, Netaberry. I've never met you before. Damon, always good to see you. Miss Shagnasty, always good to see you again, darling. Thank you so much for coming out. Wolfie, you are new to a live show. Thank you very much. Freddie, hi. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, new girls. I guess we should have been doing this all along. This is a a lot easier for you guys to come out of the woodwork and say hi, to. If you've never said hello to me in a live show, please say hello right now instead of a quick quote. Oh my god, why didn't we always do this? Look at how daddy is good at being open (laughs) and changing it something that's working. Yay! Therapy! Instead of getting mad that you're not doing exactly what he says on the internet. Like Devin Gordon. Devin Gordon, I'm mad at you on the internet because you won't do what I say. You need to yell at Joe Rogan more. (laughs) Paper cat. Uh, A full show. Fantastic. I think we're going to speed right through after we get through this. All right. New girls, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, Girls who come out every single week. I do appreciate it. I do appreciate you. Kamisha, thank you so much. Thank you truly. You got that kicked off, and don't worry, you didn't do anything wrong, and there's nothing to be nervous about. You came in, you didn't know we were doing quick quotes, which we were finishing up, but you started a little you started a little uh a little tide there, and we decided to go ahead and roll the boat with it instead of against it for once. And you know what? I don't care for it. I now that I've tried it, it'll never happen again. Okay, and with that, on into the romantic poetry. We have only one romantic letter tonight, and so I don't know how you feel about this, because romantic letters are the ones that I don't know if I should request or not. So, we're gonna read the romantic letter out through the poetry. That's how we do it. However, going forward, do you guys like the letters? Because I like the letters. I like the pro. I call it prose. I guess we should call them letters, because it's almost always letters. I like the letters. And I like, especially, if it's a man's perspective to a woman, which, let's face it, you're giving me letters from the 17 and 1800s, so there's a real good shot. I'm not saying women weren't literate back then, but some of them got killed for it. So, uh. <laughs> It's almost always a man's perspective, and it is nice to read these great men and the way that they express it. When a great man, quote-unquote, expresses his love in a great way, it's nice. It is. And I like that. When Abraham Lincoln's all Abraham Lincoln-y about Mary, and he's all like, although your consternation gives me constipation, or whatever it is, you know, I don't know how to to ad-lib Lincoln, all right? Like, he had problems. And you read it, you're like, okay, I get it, yeah. But, like, when we read about, like, one of these, like, really strong men or, like, these captains or generals or something, or these kings or the dukes, and they're just like, Oh, I miss you! I don't just mean your tits either! I miss you! I'm not gonna see you for three days! Ah, the overmorrow. I want to see you in the morrow, not the overmorrow. There's something to it for me. I get a little thrill every time. I keep thinking, like, what's so strange about this one is that when I... (laughs) That's right, overmorrow. That's a real word. Hasn't been used in 125 years. But it's a real one. Uh. So, if you like the prose like I like the prose, if you like the love letters like I like the love letters, if you like those kinds of things to bring in, uh, you guys got to request them. You guys got to go ahead and uh, bring them right on in. We'll be more than happy uh, to go ahead and uh, read those on out. One to three a week sounds pretty good to me, yeah? And the rest of it we're getting pretty close on. Um, I'm trying to figure out like how to, how to get this done. So for two weeks now in a row, I've prepared stuff for the tip show, which is kind of mind boggling to me. Cause for years, I never prepared anything. I would do a little opening monologue, like in the shower or whatever, right? I would do like, just this little opening like okay I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll prepare three to five minutes but for the tip show for the birthday show I mean I prepared for days I spent days writing that I spent I spent a lot of time rehearsing the samurai Jack thing if you don't think it's hard to say Samurai Jack like that for that long, uh, fucking try it in the mirror sometime, kids. It take like, as soon, I, I, three times, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to fucking cut back on the Samurai Jack. There's no way I'm gonna keep that straight fucking face. Ah, so this is a real kind of new experience for me, and I'm really excited that I'm, like, I wake up, and even on the day of the show with this Joe Rogan, I was just reading, because I was reading, I swear I wasn't reading for material. I just was reading. I was like, well, this is an interesting take on Joe Rogan until they got to the fucking Matrix mind spike and body perfection. I was like, okay, well, now I'm going to go back and I'm going to pull every quote that makes it sound like erotic fanfic because I've not ever heard anything so fucking egregious. And I had the energy in... That's exactly... That's 100% true. I swear to God, I didn't wake up with a boner for anybody today. It just happened. <laughs> I was just reading about podcasts... This was the third article today I read about podcasts, and it just happened to set me the fuck off. And I have the energy now that I can use that. It's like, oh yeah, it's today, but you know what? Even though it's today, and even though I'm accidentally going to put on a second show, talk about that in a second, even though I accidentally put on a second show earlier, I have the energy to go ahead and do this. I have the energy to prepare something for the live show. I have the energy to work all day before a live show, and then also write and prepare something. I need to be clear. The writing and preparing something, that's a job. I know, because I've done it for fucking money. That's a job. The whole, I'm going to take information and synthesize it, is not only a job that people do, but you generally have like 20 of those assholes per Jon Stewart. No joke. For every Sam B you have on stage, you've got 20 assholes like me who are reading the Joe Rogan experience trying to figure out how to turn it into jokes for Sam B. Not because Sam B's not funny. Sam B's fucking hilarious. Her and her husband are both fucking riots. But because nobody can figure it all out, because it takes a lot of energy, because when you're mad about something, and almost every one of these jokes a political left winging news person makes, which is what I'm kind of trying to be a little bit uh with my Joe Rogan riffing tonight. I don't know how successful I am. It drives us nuts. If you see a Jon Stewart yelling at Mitch McConnell and making jokes and making jokes, it's because Mitch McConnell has infuriated him. Just like this Joe Rogan article infuriated me. And that takes energy. And I'm bragging on myself a little bit here before we get into it, but I feel fucking fantastic. I did a full show, I'm doing a full show now, I'm writing, I'm consuming information, I get the idea, I just get the idea of my ass, like, hey man, you should do this tonight! You're not going to want to, you're not going to feel this way in two days. You're not going to be mad at this Devo Gordo, or the fuck his name is, in two days. Devi Gordy is not going to be on your radar in three weeks. Like everybody else, you know, you looked him up. It was real fucking hard to find him. I'm sorry if you're still leaving them, Gordon. I'm not because you're such an easy fucking target because nobody will defend you. So, uh... I'm just super excited about it, and I'm trying to figure out how to bring this energy forward. How do, I, how do I get aggressive like that, where I'm insulting Devo Gordo, and you guys are with me, but I don't take it too far like I did that last second? Because I felt you guys jump up, you're like, okay, that's mean. Okay, well, sit them all down. Now you're starting to sound like a Batman villain. And not in the sexy way. Not one of the ones I would do with a nice body. All right, so before we get into poetry, this is the last thing I do have prepared. Breaking Down the Fuckability of Batman Villains, Part 1. Oh, sorry, I apologize. Breaking Down the Fuckability of Batman Villains, parentheses, from a heterosexual female's perspective, in parentheses, Part 1. Here we go. So, there's basically two kinds of Batman villains when it comes to fuckability and we're just gonna we're just gonna come out right out on front yes poison ivy and catwoman are in the fuckable even if you're a straight woman yes i know yes a lot of you had experience with catwoman and poison ivy as your first like oh i know it's okay this isn't that talk i had it's heteronormative enough there's not a lot of anime redheads who are powerful, so if one of them is, like, using bind bindage on Batman, I totally get your little girly parts going, like, wait a minute, hold on, I like it when a powerful man's tied up, what am I, hush, 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 hush ha, my little pony, my little pony, alright, so... This is not about the obviously super fuckable Batman villains. That's not a funny sketch. There's no version of Catwoman in any form that I wouldn't fuck, and I feel like that's true of a lot of straight women, too. All of them. Animated, Halle Berry, Michelle... Do I give a shit? No. They're all gorgeous... They're all gorgeous representations of a powerful woman who has that whole, like, maybe you'll get me and maybe you won't. I'm like, I want to try. I want to try. Oh, you remind me of my mom's approval. Never really there and always stealing something from me. Three, two, one. Okay, so. (laughs) It's not about those. This is about some of the harder Batman villains that you really have to think about. This is also not about, like, a Batman villain like Solomon Grundy. There's not a lot of Solomon Grundy fuckers out there. I don't believe you. For those of you who don't know, occasionally, not often, occasionally Batman will have a huge melee with a nine-foot-tall Jewish zombie from the 1800s. Yes, really. Yes, really. Yes, really. Yes, really. And remember that every time somebody tells you that Marvel movies are the silly ones, or that Marvel comic books are the silly ones, because for 40 years, Batman has been fighting a giant Jewish zombie from the 1800s who is mentally incapacitated. This isn't like a giant Jewish zombie from the 1800s who's coming up with high-end schemes. This isn't like a Moriarty zombie. He's literally a zombie, and so he just walks around punching stuff, and he says his name over and over again. He just walks around... All iterations of Solomon Grundy is Solomon Grundy walking around going, Solomon Grundy! And this dumbass fucking jerk of a jock named Batman, like, taking his can of Zima, looking at the fucking nerd going around his fucking goddamn city, and like, not today, nerd, and just, like, jump-kicking Solomon Grundy in the face with his 17-digit IQ. Or, sorry, his, le- his, his IQ of 17, not 17 digits, that'd be very smart. He'd be very smart. We'd all have to fight Solomon Grundy if that was the case. Batman would be doing some great stuff. But he's not! This is just an idiot zombie that Batman's running around. He's a 9 foot tall, sometimes he's 13 feet tall. He's always at least 8 feet tall. But sometimes he's literally three times the size of Batman. Sometimes he's literally like 18 feet tall, Solomon Grundy, in some of the panels. Sometimes Solomon Grundy's hand will be capable of grabbing all around Batman's torsos and arm and throwing him with that one hand, which is like a King Kong hand? Because you have to really, like, elo... Like, I know, don't worry, we're getting to the fuckability. I'm just trying to talk about the bodies real quick. I'm just trying to say, there's a nine-foot-tall, rock-hard... Like, he's got—Solomon Grundy's got fucking abs for days. You didn't think they worked their cores like that in the 1800s, especially—I'm just gonna say—especially Jewish traveling salesmen. I'm just gonna say it. Go ahead, come at me, Jewish traveling salesman from the 1800s. I'm here. You're not going after Joe Rogan, so I feel like I'll probably be safe. But he's got a fucking, like, six-pack plus the other two. He's got, like, the side up. But nobody's going to fuck him because he's a giant dead zombie. No no one's going to fuck Solomon Grundy. So this is, like, the in-betweens, all right? This is the, I'm definitely not fucking Solomon Grundy. That's that's out. No way. And I'm definitely fucking, especially if it's both at the same time, Poison Ivy and Catwoman. So this is more along the lines of, would you fuck Two-Face? If you are a woman in the Batman universe, you're coming, you're, you're a young woman, you're coming into your sexual identity. You just happen to be a giant fucking nerd. And you're flipping through comic books. And you see that picture in silhouette, in profile, of the attractive, suited up Harvey Dent. And you see it, and you're just like, ooh. And then you flip the page, and it's and it's the fucking Two-Face. He's, ah! But you didn't know that because this is your first Batman. You're like, ooh. And then you realize he's a bad guy, and he's all fucked up. Uh-oh, oh no. But you were just attracted to him. What I'm saying is, I think... If you wanted to fuck Harvey Dent, you'd fuck Two-Face. And when you think about it, that's the perfect spectrum, right? Two-Face is kind of a fifty-fifty in the middle. Hmm? Solomon Grundy? No. Can't women poison Ivy threesome? Yes. Two-Face? Ugh, really gonna be divisive. Living up to his name. So now that we've got our spectrum, every woman has to place for herself Every bat, because the bad Batman villains are coming. Up until now, we've only gotten the A list Batman villains, but they're gonna stop rebooting the Joker every five years. That's not gonna, I don't believe it. They're not gonna keep trying new Jokers every five years. It's not gonna happen. So now that we're getting down to some B list Batman villains, I just wanna conform to inform you guys about what's coming for you. And, question. Do you want to fuck him? Okay. First Batman villain you probably don't know about, Man-Bat. Batman fights a villain called Man-Bat. Man-Bat is a villain who's a scientist. Most of Batman's villains are scientists. Man-Bat gets some bat DNA. You think that he's trying to be Batman or something with this backstory? He is not. It's just a coincidence. There's just a lot of bats around New York City slash Gotham in this universe for some reason. So, he gets in, and he becomes a giant werewolf, except instead of a werewolf, he's a bat. And then him and Batman fight to some various degrees. Now, let's just go ahead and go over the downside. One, giant angry bat. That's not great. Okay? I get you. That's the downside. Let's just talk about it right away. Two, The upside, haven't you ever wanted to be held really close while you're being fucked? Possibly while hanging from a ceiling. Doesn't that just sound really, just the arms all the way around you and holding you real close while you're being fucked from behind, and you just happen to be enwrapped inside of a thin pulsing membrane known as a wing hanging from the bottom, hanging hanging top down, off the goddamn ceiling. Just feeling his giant bat cock ram into your pussy from behind. As you scream, Fuck me! Fuck me! Fuck me higher than bat pussy! No, okay. And that's on, that's Okay, Okay, up next. Mr. Freeze. This one's going to be very divisive. Okay, okay, let's just, let's just, let's just get it out of the way. He's still hung up on his ex-wife, all right? So that's going to be a huge problem for a lot of you, I know. He won't stop talking about her. He won't stop fucking talking about his ex-wife. And that's going to be a, lo- a real mood killer for you. Also, he's not big on cuddling. He's not big on cuddling. And also, I'm pretty fucking sure he's just going to turn you into a block of ice. He's, he's pretty much got one move. <laughs> people people like that villain a lot more than I do. People think I'm going to be a Mr. Freeze guy for some reason. I am not a Mr. Freeze guy. I think that this is a terrible idea for a villain. What was that? I'm still sad about my ex-wife. Better go kill 20 policemen. <sighs> Mr. Freeze, were you going to fuck him? Are you going to fuck him? Now, if Mr. Freeze, hold on, hold on, hold on, you're not going to fuck Mr. Freeze. But Mr. Freeze isn't going to fuck you either, because you'll die if he fucks you. You'll die if he fucks you. So he's not going to fuck you either. But he is a scientist. Again, Batman fights a lot of fucking scientists. But he is a scientist. So what if he, because everything he does, he's kind of like the Aqua Twins, everything he does is like, I'm a supervillain, but the power of ice. It's a Wonder Twins reference what if he invented an ice fucking gun for you? Because that's what he does. He has like 50 different ice fucking guns that do different. He's like, I will make an ice gun that will blow the doors off that prison. I will make an ice gun that'll freeze Gotham. I will make an ice gun that will uh, stop Batman's shoes. But, like, what if he makes, like, like a gun, like a pneumatic gun, and he presses a button, and this perfectly formed, just for your pussy, he's a scientist, he's really good with ice, he's measured your pussy with a 3D printer, and he's capable of making a gun where the perfect-sized ice cock comes out. And he just wants to look you in the eyes while he takes his ice cock gun and just, he, ch ch inside you. And so you're lying there on your perfectly sterile silver scientist table, because that's where he lives in most of the fucking comic books. Maybe there's some penguins around. And this perfectly designed pneumatic, it's not going to be too cold, it's ice, but it's not going to be too cold. Guys, this is a guy who freezes human beings in blocks of ice where there's no oxygen or warmth, and they're fine days later. So he's Totally capable of making an ice dildo that doesn't freeze your puss. Okay? Okay? Don't go too far with it. Your puss is gonna be fine. He's a scientist. He's staring over you at the table, he's using the pneumatic gun on you, and he's just looking at you, and he's just all like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, that pussy. That pussy. Yes. Yes, that pussy. That pussy like Noras. Oh. I love your pussy the most since Nora's pussy. Oh, oh, if I could only be back in Nora's pussy. So, Mr. Freeze, I guess I'm hearing mostly yeses, which I'm going to be a little bit surprised about. Okay, up next, Hugo Strange. Benefits, older man. Benefit, psychologist. Benefit has an obsession with staying fit. <clears throat> Downside, much like Devi Gordy of today's Joe Rogan experience, he does seem to be obsessed with Batman a little bit. There's a lot of, like, notes on Hugo's... Uh, refrigerator that are just all like Bruce Wayne is the pinnacle of mankind. Oh, if only I could be like Bruce. How could I be more like Bruce? How could I be more like Bruce? Bruce is so sexy. How could I be more like Bruce? So, he's a little bit older than Batman. He's a little bit older than Bruce Wayne. He is. He's just a few years older. He's an older man. He got his, you know, he got a psychology degree. He started his own practice. He's a very successful doctor. But he does have Batman's kind of body. Right? He does have Batman's... Like, he looked at, like, Batman's routine, his qualities, like, oh, shit. And he started working out like Batman, doing Batman stuff. And so, like, when you go home with Hugo Strange, and you're gonna fuck him, get a little strange from strange, is how I say it. You're gonna go home, you're gonna go into his nice house. It's a nice house, he's got... Depending on the comic run, he either owns a psychological practice in Gotham that's doing very well, or sometimes he owns, like, a corporation that does mental health. He's doing. He's taking you back to a nice place in New York City. Nice place, typically speaking. And he's dressed pretty well. He's taking you out for a nice evening. He's very intelligent. He's very erudite. He's He can make eye contact. Uh, he's a prominent shrink. And then you get ready, you go to the bedroom, you have some wine, you put everything on. And then... Right when he's ready, he's like, can I get just a little bit more comfortable? Can I get just a little bit more comfortable? And she's like, yeah, sure, baby, sure, baby, absolutely, go, baby. And so he comes into the closet, and he comes out just just like 20 seconds later, way too quick, way too quick for a costume change. Again, he's fucking Batman, so of course it's 20 seconds. He comes out, and he's wearing his homemade cosplay not a hundred percent Batman mask and he just like he looks at you with his like leather cod piece like he's all ripped and everything and you're in bed and he just comes out of the closet he's been talking like this all night very urbane very delicious voice. He's been using my voice all night, so just, you know, whatever description you would use for a casual voice like mine, like perfect or uh, erotic in every way, melodious, uh, a cacophony of sensations that go ahead and wind through one's body in such a way that they can only receive pleasure. However you would describe my voice, whatever casual way you would use it, I don't really care. Go ahead. Uh, I'm fine with it. Just you know, go ahead. Just to my, just go ahead. Just take the time now to just go ahead and write it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast afterwards, just go ahead. Just take the time to write uh, whatever you think is a good descriptor of my voice. Uh, honeyed, golden, perfect, uh, better all the time. Uh, too strong for this world, diabolical, insidious. I mean, just go ahead. Just go ahead and take the time. Just go ahead and write it on in. And just whatever words you would use, whatever, whatever come to mind. Uh, so he's been using my voice up until this point, but then he comes out with his cod piece and homemade Batman mask on, and he's immediately, he immediately, like, he kind of, like, leans forward, and has kind like, got his arms out, and he's not acting like a shrink anymore. He's acting like the Batman. He's all like, Oh, what fuck that pussy? What fuck that pussy so good? What that pussy? What? that pussy? I'm going fuck the fucking Batman. Batman's gonna fucking fuck. Batman's gonna be in that fucking cave. remember, Hugo strangest thing is not that he doesn't understand Batman's mentality. Hugo strangest problem is that he understands him a little too well. He takes it a little too far. He doesn't have the Batman ability to pull back. It's not his persona. So when he puts on the Batman mask, he takes it too far. <laughs> All right, Hugo Strange, I'm only hearing yeses. Turns out older men <laughs> with a little bit of an obsession with Batman are, are. Oh, I'm only hearing, I'm only seeing yeses at the live show. Only yeses. Everyone said yes to Hugo Strange. And so because every single girl said yes to Hugo Strange, and that's all I'm seeing, that's all anyone said, and because nobody comes to a live show, you cannot prove otherwise. Weird. 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 Maybe you should come to a live show and see if for the, yourself. not do that. The entire. <laughs> this is actually a very good live show with a huge audience and everybody's in a good mood, which is why I'm teasing people. But just because every single woman who came on the live show right now, I was going to stop there. I thought that was enough of a routine for you guys. I thought I had done enough work for one evening, but because every single one of you would fuck Hugo Strange. Weird. Every single one of my fans would fuck Hugo Strange. Weird. One last Batman villain that kind of fits the same mold. Since you're all into older men with a Batman obsession, one last villain that fits that mold. Raj al Ghul. Since you all have a daddy fetish, apparently, let's just go ahead and break it down. He's got old he's a complicated fucking character. There's a lot of pros and cons on the Raj Al Ghul. I'm going to be using mostly Raj Al Ghul from Batman, the animated series, with some supplements from the comics. I'm not using Liam Neeson. Just leveling with you, because if I use the Liam Neeson version of Raj, none of this is gonna make sense to you if you've seen those fucking movies. So we're using mostly the, mostly Batman backstory from the show, a little bit from the comic books. Fuck Liam Neeson. So. You know, it was real hard to say fuck Liam Neeson before he talked about trying to randomly kill black people on the street because he had a bad day. Since he said that, I can say fuck Liam Neeson and I don't get nearly as much pushback for some reason. It's crazy. (laughs) I hope every celebrity that I ever have a problem with just one day is just like, you know what I'm going to confess on camera today? Horrible race crimes. Horrible racism. (laughs) Oh, you don't know about Liam, Liam Neeson? You've avoided that firestorm? You lucky fucking... Oh, that was a complicated day for me. I love Liam Neeson. I have seen The One with the Wolves 20 times. I had a lot of fucking feelings. <laughs> I've seen The One with the Wolves more than The Editor. Alright? Liam Neeson vs. The Wolves was my drunk movie for a year. I'm called The Grey Knight because of that movie. Alright? <laughs> not really. No, not really. I just really liked it, and Liam Neeson fights wolves with his hands! What's to not love? Ugh. Raj al Raj al in the benefit category, as I see them as a straight man, if you were a straight woman wanting to fuck a Batman villain and you're trying to go through the hierarchy, here's what I think you would see as the benefits to Raj al Ghul. Number one, snappy fucking dresser. The guy's been around for hundreds of years and his style has not dropped off. He's like, okay, well, I'm not stopping the cape, even if this century is, so how do we tailor suits to match the fucking cape? You mean a red cape, clearly. No! It's gonna be like a forest kind of velvety green, almost as though like I'm a LARPer from a 1960s Hobbit show. That's not gonna work. Oh, yes, it is. Because I'm fucking <laughs> Number one, snappy dresser really takes care of his body. Number two, six hundred years old doesn't look a day over sixty. Addendum: so long as he doesn't get too stressed out, or he isn't fighting one of the more magical Batman villains, and he doesn't have to use more of his magical energy than he contains in his body, because he uses a magical side. So, anyways, just go ahead. We're just gonna move past all that. Number three, why a heterosexual woman would consider a consensual sexual relationship with Ra's Ghul. Ready? He loves his daughter. It's unquestionable that he loves and puts a priority on his daughter, her happiness, what she wants. He does. He respects her as a person. He respects her counsel. He put her in charge of something and not in name only. I mean, a lot of dads say, hey, one day... Little Miss, you could grow up and run this business of international assassins and compulsive fucking first liar. A lot of dads say that when they start a business out and they have a daughter instead of a son all of a sudden. But very few dads put their six-year-old daughters in a situation where they have to kill or be killed just like they were, just like they were when they were six. So that they can run the business one day. <laughs> that's that's dedication. I need you to think about that. I need you to think when you were six, what is the thing that your dad did to spend time with you? Because he was teaching his six-year-old, from the age of six, he was thinking, you know, I love her so much. I think she can take over the family business. Did your dad love you that much? Because he didn't just think it; he was acting. He's like God. What do I need to do? God, what do I need to do? What do I need? How do I teach her? How do I teach her to live in my world? And then, as he cut his steak, he was like, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" Points against Rajagul. He is hundreds of years old. He does seem to get more psychotic every time he goes into his menthol Vicks vapor rub pit. That does, doesn't seem like he does douse himself in menthol Vicks vapor rub. And he does come out kind of old man smelly and cranky afterwards. And the last thing is, he does kind of get confused about things sometimes. Like sometimes he'll be like, Batman? Batman, how the fuck did you get here? Batman? And he was like, I took a plane. He'll be like, a what? Did you take an autogyro all the way from Persia? Uh, uh, that's remarkable. In, in, in but a fortnight? A single autogyro from Persia to the east of New Amsterdam? By God, how'd you get through all the carriages? I didn't smell a single bit of horse manure on you. How'd you do that? So there's a little bit of that with Rajah You are going to, there's going to be a lot, there's going to be a lot of, uh, like he's always, it's a very funny thing about Rajah Al they always have him like in a technologically pretty high area. And so in my mind, he's always like, Talia, Talia. This is how I, if I was like to voice him, this would, this would be my Rajal Ghul voice. Talia. I can't, I can't put the news on. I can't figure it out. I have the remote and I've pressed... The power's on the TV, but I can't get the news on. Talia. Talia, how do you do it? Talia, how do you, how do you switch... How do you sw- The screen's not working. Talia, get off your Nintendo. <laughs> I'm just going to end this real quick. Apparently, that doesn't stop love. One of the most beautiful, attractive women in the world to me is Christina Hendricks. Not only is she physically Christina Hendricks, and you can't deny that Christina Hendricks looks like Christina Hendricks, and so you, as a man, might be attracted to her because she looks like Christina Hendricks. But not only does she do that, she's also a really strong actor, quite a strong actor. I like the parts that she takes. And she is a woman who does interviews where she's not afraid to go, oh, I don't think that's a very nice question for a man to ask a woman. And she does shit like that constantly in real time to powerful men's fucking faces. And that takes a lot. There's some people in Hollywood who came to Hollywood who have like a family dynasty. There's a lot of money in their back pocket, you know. But she's not one of them. And so every time she's gone out of her way to be like, "Uh, you know what? Women are actually treated really bad today, right now. And that has to be talked about. Every time she does that in the middle of an interview, there's some casting director who's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to be associated with that. So it takes a lot of bravery, and I respect it. And so I respect and enjoy Christina Hendricks. She's just very attractive. Christina Hendricks has been married for a decade now to the Snosberry guy from, (laughs) from Broken Lizard's Super Troopers. For a decade now. A little longer, I think. I don't really follow celebrity marriages. I don't really know who, who's married to who. In fact, this is a true story. Real quick, sub side plot. I saw a magazine cover yesterday and I thought it was a joke because I knew that they had just married. I just saw that Miley Cyrus had divorced Liam. I saw the magazine and I thought it was a joke. I really did. I thought it was like, oh, I've seen one of the joke tabloids that doesn't have a real And Then it was a US Weekly at the top. I was like, oh, shit. Wow, that was in and out baby. That lasted less long than his movie or her music career. That's crazy. I've never seen something like that before. All right. So, (laughs) suck it, Hemsworth. Both of your brothers are more popular than you now. You never expected that, did you, youngest Hemsworth? Could you get me on Westworld? Do you think you could get me in the MCU? I can't seem to catch a prank lately. I, I, we got to start the fucking request here. Ah, oh, damn. Fucking having such a good time. I'm <laughs> having such a good time. I hope you are too. I love the fucking live shows. So, <laughs> Christina Hendricks, this is true. She's talked about this a lot. She's very open about her strengths and weaknesses as a person. Again, I like her. I don't read a lot of interviews or watch a lot of interviews with people. I've watched a lot of interviews and read a lot of interviews with Christina Hendricks. Because I like her. I like, I have it. like, I'm like, Christina, my girlfriend. I like her. I like her. It's not fair, but there it is. And she talks about how she's married to this Nosberry guy. And how he controls her whole fucking life. And if you read that and you're like, come on. That's exactly my reaction to him. I'm like, no, he doesn't. <laughs> that dude doesn't tell you what color a wall is when you're wrong. He controls your life? Let's find out. And so she talks about how she's always traveling for work and what have you. And it's very sweet, although if you read between the lines, she is saying, like, I get a lot more work than my husband. But we'll skip that aside because I think she's actually being very, very nice in this interview in particular. And she's talking about all the travels she has to do, she has to come back home and all that kind of thing. And it's so much harder when he's got a job and he's traveling and she's stuck at home. Because she has to like call him up and be all like, honey, which remote turns on which box? Which device? And whenever I hear some, whenever I see hear that somebody in their own house has an electronic system that they can't use to use in their own way, that just boggles my mind because why is it there? Fucking Mary Condo, that shit. <laughs> Get, replace it with one that you understand. It's not that hard. You're using it. How can you live in a fucking world? How can you live in a fucking world where you have a TV, you want to watch TV, but you press a TV button to the best of your ability and you're like, there's no TV shit. How can you live in that world, especially if you're making millions of dollars? How can you do that? I don't know It drives me nuts, but here's what I found out about love that day. I found out that love fucking conquers all because I thought about Christina Hendricks calling me up all excited got my first book job in like my last two and a half years it's not even a super trooper reunion this time somebody actually wants to put me in something and their name's not M. Night Shalomon. I'm all excited I got my fucking phone I'm on set I'm getting hair and makeup I haven't done hair and makeup in a long time my fucking superstar wife I saw two ads with her fucking face and body on the way to the fucking studio in Toronto I had to fly to Toronto to get a fucking job because I'm the fucking Snowsberry guy oh my god and I just for one second I feel like an actor and a creative and I'm remembering the lines I'm so excited and I get the text hi I miss you I love you how do you turn on the TV image included just a picture of two remotes and then the thinky face tilting emoji And I think about getting that message, and I think about how I would respond to, if that came from some of my exes, like right before I was getting to work or all that, I think about, like, how I'd respond. And there's a lot of them where I would turn into Mr. Freeze and just Nora the fuck. I will resume this conversation when my work for the day is complete. Send power off. (laughs) But then I think if Christina Hendricks is the one who sent me, hey, baby, I know you're about to do some cute acting, quote-unquote, but I Mama wants to watch some TV right now, and that's what you're good for. I think about that text, getting that text from Christina Hendricks. And I think about what my response would be. And I think about what Christina Hendricks makes per year and what she looks like naked, probably. And I started thinking, what is the best way to type via text the exact instructions that Christina Hendricks needs to turn on the fucking TV? <laughs> what is the quickest and most concise way to get this woman what she needs? So that I can go home at the end of this work trip and fuck Christina Hendricks With the TV that I've turned on Most probably playing in the background Okay guys (laughs) Here we go (laughs) Let's get on into it. Finally An hour and a half into the fucking show. I better hit hit record. I did hit record. Yes, 75 minutes into the show. Let's get into the show. All right, here we go. I was so nervous because Allie's not here and she reminds me. Let's get a lip uh, link for... Oh, my God. Let's get a lip for tinks out, guys. Lip for tinks. Is that going to become a running gag? Lip for tinks. I feel even worse saying that, because I, no joke, I tell you, I read a lot. I just read a thing about the fucking, like, the unknown. I've read a lot about the Stonewall Riots because they fascinate me, because I lived, I mean, I did flag in the 90s, and even then homosexuals were like, don't, don't fucking, like, make too big of a noise. They'll drag us to death. Behind a car. So we're gay, we're proud, but being proud and being gay in the 1990s in the American Southwest involves a pride shirt and then another shirt over that so that nobody can see that and beat you to death. Like, so Stonewall and hearing all about the Stonewall riots and all that kind of like. What? In the 70s? It was that powerful? And so I've read a lot of things, and I just read something about the Stonewall Riots, and Tinks or Twinks was, in fact, in that article. And why the fuck can't I stop saying tip for twink, Lip for twinks. Link for tips. <laughs> Link for tips. Not tip. Not lip for twinks, dude. Link for tips. Let's get a link for tips. Link for tips. I'm going to have to think in my mind about the protagonist of the Legend of Zelda games in order to say this right. I'm going to have to think about the protagonist of the, or the Legend of Zelda games, which is, of course, Zelda, the girl in green who goes around with the sword to go and rescue the princess. And if I think about... If I think about. All right, let's get right into it. (laughs) Did you think I was a city big enough for a weekend getaway? I am the town surrounding it. The one you've never heard of but always pass through. There are no neon lights here, no skyscrapers or statues, but there is thunder, for I make bridges tremble. I am not the street meat, I am homemade jam, thick enough to cut the sweetest thing your lips will touch. I am not police sirens, I am the crackle of a fireplace, I'd burn you and you still couldn't take your eyes off me. Because I'd look so beautiful doing it, you'd blush. I am not a hotel room. I am a home. I am not the whiskey you want. I am the water you need. Don't come here with any expectations and try to make some vacation out of me. Did You Think I Was a City by Rupi Kaur, R-U-P-I-K-A-U-R, Rupi Car Very powerful. <clears throat> An evening of expected rain. Out of the window clouds lifted their skirts and the winds poured in. We were the mothers lingering over the desert tray, placing the sweets in our mouths one by one. We were the soothers and grievers, keepers of the children and men. Those days our skin bunched up at the bra line, eyelids gathered like Caroline as it folds. Yet, standing there at the table, there was nothing in the world we were in want of, not even the loves that had escaped us. Whatever we suffered, we let go of willingly, to know we were not the same women as before did not pain us. We were the others spoke their voices and swept over us, like bees hovering over lilacs. Outside, light strobed over the Hudson. We watched a white boat riding on the crest of a wave, headed to sea. We felt an ache we realized it was happiness, almost unbearable. The Women by J. May Bar- Barizo. B-A-R-I-Z-O. how so I'm going to go with that. Very interesting. I don't think we've had one about sisterly love. That didn't seem like it was about romantic love to me. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just a one-time reading error. That kind of seemed more about sisterly love to me, though. So, that's always nice to get. <clears throat> okay. Oh, my love is like a red, red rose that's newly sprung in June. Oh, my love is like a melody. That sweetly played in tune. So fair art thou, my bonny lass; so deep in love am I, that I will love thee still, my dear, till all the seas gang dry. Till all the seas gang dry, my dear, and all the rocks melt with the sun, I will love thee still, my dear, while the sands of life shall run. And fare thee well my only love and fare thee well awhile and I will come again my love though it were ten thousand mile A Red Red Rose by robert burns <clears throat> Every time I think of you My heart wants to tear up of its natural self and create a formation of feeling that occupies it just by a little thought of you. You mean so much to me. Sometimes words are just words and the meaning behind them sometimes seems less. But my eyes can never fail to tell the truth. From my soul within comes out the joy you brought into my life. If only there was a better definition of love than how I would not feel so normal deep inside my soul carries all the treasures that amounts to a lifetime of happiness, and I believe in the feelings which our souls produce and with that love for you is a guarantee wherever life takes us, my spirit will always. Connect to yours. Feelings for you, Lorato Lee Talade. Uh, this is this is quite a. I, I'm probably butchering that one even more than most. So I'm going to spell the whole thing out. It's three names: L E R A T O, L E E T L A D I. I'm going to put a. Emphasis on the pronunciation between the T and the L in the last name. Apologies if that's not right for anybody with a similar last name. Lorato Lee Talati is what I'm going to go with it as. There's a lot of ways to pronounce that one, though, so apologies. Really lovely. <clears throat> Real stab I'm taking. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm on fire. I can feel the heat coming from my skin as I think of your touch, your kiss, your taste. The passion rises from a spark to become a blaze as I look into the depths of your bottomless blue eyes. My hands long to touch you, my lips to kiss you, my arms to hold you. My mouth is dry in anticipation of your taste. I'm fueled by the sight of your naked body standing before me. From your head to your feet, I long to possess you. From head to my feet, I long to be possessed by you. I ache to feel your body over me, under me, surrounding me. Every caress, every nook, every crevice aches to be filled by you. Fill me with your heat, your desire, all that you possess. Take from me all I need to give. Look into my eyes and see the need you have released, the freedom you have granted, the door you have unlocked with the only existing key. Take my passion, David, and grant me yours. The time for release is past. The time for freedom is present. Tomorrow holds the promise of desire, passion, exotic thrills, and pleasure. Freedom by N underscore S-U-E, And that's what I've got for the author. This is not a critique to the person who suggested that or put that in. Um, thank you very much for that. Any more context for like a website or something like that if it's like a, if it's a nom de plume. As somebody who writes with a nom de plume, I'm just trying to give them the credit. Uh, but great poem. Thank you very much. It's just, I don't know if we can find N. Sue like that. Uh, but it would be great if it's like N. on Literatica or whatever. Uh, again, not at all uh, a critique. Please, whoever that was, uh, and whoever is sending them in, these are great poems. Uh, We've got one more poem here. So here we go. Dream on, for dreams are sweet. Do not awaken. Dream on, and at thy feet pomegranates shall be shaken. Who liketh the youth of love to morning? Tis like the night in truth Rose-colored dreams adorning The wind is soft above the shadow's umber There is a dream called love Take thou the fullest slumber In lathe soothing stream Thy tryst thou slakest Sleep, sleep, tell sweet to dream O weep then Thou awakest. Uh, I don't think I hit that one as well as the others. That was Dreams by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. Paul Lawrence Dunbar. uh, Very fun, very fun, but I don't think I quite hit that one as well as the others. Embarrassed, we're going to have to put Dunbar on the eventual uh, redemption list. uh, Because I did Dunbar dirty. Oh, hey, AK, thanks for sneaking in. Always good to see you, dog. It's always lovely when somebody sneaks into a live show, when they're on the other side of the world, and so you know they're sneaking in at like 5.30 in the morning. Always very flattering to see a familiar face do that. Every last time, back to you, darling. New girls, there's been a million new girls who have said something uh, before we get into the prose, because we are done with the poetry. Uh, There's been a million new girls this week in the birthday show who say, I can't believe how much fun it is. I can't believe how welcoming you are. I can't believe... Well, I don't know what else I would need to do to make you believe it after saying for months and months that the live shows are amazing, you get a lot of extra content if you come out live, it's a way different experience, it makes Daddy happy, and legitimately, the best thing about this project, the nicest, the softest, the best part of this project are the ladies of the night, and that is the place to get the most of them. It's where the most of them are most likely to be at any given time. So I'm not surprised, but I am very happy that you guys have come out and that you all say that you're feeling friendly, welcomed, encouraged, uh, that you think that it's a good place. Every single time I read that, I know that's a huge compliment about me because I helped make this place, because I helped uh, try and set the tone, but even much more than it's a huge compliment for me, it's a huge compliment for all of us. Because I don't do advertising. And I haven't been on other people's shows. And yadda yadda. And this is the... I mean, besides making fun of Joe Rogan tonight, I don't really talk a lot about celebrities or, or do the social media thing. So that means that almost every single person listening to my voice at the live show right now or the recording later on, almost every last one of you came out because you either saw a suggestion on a computer algorithm that said the great night, and you're like, why not? I'm horny anyway, and I'm willing to click on a dumb name. Or somebody else said something nice, suggested it, put a link in there, put it on down. And you trusted them, and you went with it. And in either case, it's only because of you guys and how great you are that people feel comfortable enough to do that. Not a lot of women clicking on a lot of great night shit on the internet willy-nilly. I don't think. So it makes me happy. You guys coming out having a good time. Before we move into the rest of it and we close up the show, just let me know from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for being a fan. If you're a fan of mine, thank you for saying a nice thing of mine. If you've been sharing it or, or putting out the work or giving feedback or sending in a tip... Or, or encourage me to do gaming streams, or just being nice, or sending in criticism or things you think I could do better, or feedback. Thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I read it all. I respond to it all. I try and make the most of it. You clearly can't make everybody happy. I know. I read those messages every day, too, and I really try and think about what they're saying to me. But from the bottom of my heart, I do it all because I can do it all. Because it feels good to do it all, because I want to do it all, and I would much, much rather hear from you guys, the good or the bad, the up or the down, what's working for you or not, and get frustrated or, or irritated, and then go back to the drawing board. Much rather do that in the system we've got now, where we're open and we're talking than the system where I become Joe Rogan. And it the number goes up, and I think the number goes up because I'm so smart and sexy, I'm... Uh, I've tried that system, it was called my 20s. Didn't work out great for me or the women who dated me. So, uh, I think, I think I'm going to stop trying it, and instead I'm going to keep doing it this way. And, uh... I'm trying to... I'm tr- from the bottom of my heart. I've got nothing super to apologize for. I've been a little bit cranky since the Texas trip sometimes, but just a little bit cranky. And I don't think that deserves quite a huge apology, because I'm not... I haven't been screaming at anybody. Just I've just been going, Guys, stop it. Someone's more likely to get to this mood. Guys, stop, stop, stop. Just stop for five minutes. And that's not really worthy of a, of a tearful YouTube-style apology on a podcast, I don't think. But just know... That I don't like that side of me. I'm really actively trying to let the love and the openness of you girls fill me up and respond in that way. Because you guys get irritated and frustrated with me, but you always show me a better path going forward. And so I am, from the bottom of my heart. I I appreciate that sometimes daddy's fangs and claws come out a little too hard. Because he was raised by two fucking monsters. And he has all the monster abilities that you would expect if you were. But he tries to use them for good and only targets shitty Atlantic riders. Oh, I so hope you kept living, Devin Gordo. Did you listen through the poetry, Devo Gordo? Did you, Devi Gordy? Did you? Oh, you thought you were safe, didn't you, after all that nice things I was saying? I was so open. Oh, it was just to lure you. Oh, I hope your editor's a woman and she finds my voice attractive, Devi Gordy. Oh, she'll laugh so fucking hard at me insulting your name and your writing if she likes my voice. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. Okay, into the prose. <clears throat> Dear Eva, it will only, it will almost be a month since you wrote to me, and you have possibly forgotten your state of mind. I doubt it, though. You seem the same always, and being you, hate every minute of it. Don't. Learn to say fuck you to the world once in a while. You have every right to. Just stop thinking, worrying, looking over your shoulder, wondering, doubting, fearing, hurting, hoping for some easy way out, struggling, grasping, confusing, humbling, stumbling, rambling, tumbling, bitching, moaning, groaning, hair-splitting, eye-poking, finger-pointing, long-waiting, evil-kneeling, bee-smirching, grinding, grinding away at yourself. Stop it and just... Do. From your description and from what I know of your previous work and your ability, the work you are doing sounds very good. Drawing clean, clear, but crazy-like machines, larger and bolder real nonsense. And that sounds fine. Wonderful. Real nonsense. Do more. More nonsensical, more crazy, more machines, more breasts, penises, whatever. Make them abound with nonsense. Try and tickle something inside you, your weird humor, end quote. You belong in the most secret part of you. Don't worry about cool. Make your own uncool. Make your own, your own world. If you fear, make it work for you. Draw and paint your fear and anxiety, and stop worrying about big, deep things, such as to decide on a purpose and a way of life, a consistent approach to even some impossible end, or even an imagined end. You must practice being stupid, dumb, unthinking, empty. Then you will be able to do. I have much confidence in you, and even you are tormenting yourself. The work you do is very good. Try and do some bad work, the worst you can think of, and see what happens. But mainly relax and let everything go to hell. You are not responsible for this world. You are only responsible for your work. So do it. Don't think that your work has to conform to any preconceived form, idea, or flavor. It can be anything you want. Anything you want it to be. But if life would be easier for you if you'd stopped working, then stop. Don't punish yourself. However, I think that it is so deeply ingrained in you that it would be easier for you to just do. It seems I do understand your attitude somewhat, anyway, because I do go through a similar process every so often. I have an agonizing reappraisal of my work and change everything as much as possible and hate everything I've done and try to do something entirely different and better. Maybe that kind of process is necessary to me, pushing me on and on. But the feelings that I can do better than that shit I just did? Maybe you need your agony to accomplish what you do. And maybe it goads you to go on to be better. But it is very painful, I know. But it would be better if you had the confidence just to do the stuff and not even think about it. You can't leave the world and art alone and also quit fondling your ego. I think that you or anyone, can only work so much as the rest of your time you are left with your thoughts. But when you work, or before you work, and have to empty your mind and concentrate on what you're doing. After you do something, it is done. And that's that. After a while, you can see that you are somewhat better than others, but also you can see what directions you are going. I'm sure you know all that. You must also know that you don't have to justify your work, not even to yourself. Well, you know I admire your work greatly and can't understand why you were so bothered by it. But you can see the next ones and can't. You also must believe in your ability. I think you do. So, try out the most outrageous things you can. Shock yourself. You have the power and ability to do anything. I would like to see your work and will have to be the content to have to be content to wait until August or September. I have seen photos of some of Tom's new things at Lucy's, they are impressive, especially the one with the rigorous form, the simpler ones. Let me know how the shows are going and all that kind of stuff. My work has changed since you left and it is much better. I'll be having a show, May 4th through 9th, at the Daniel's Galaxy Gallery. I wish you could be there. Much love to you. Saul. Saul the Witch to Eva Hess. I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much as well tip me more because i'm having issues with my shock mount. And that's what that was. That's why there's some chair noises as well because of a shock mount issue. Well, more chair noises than normal as i move you into position. Just like if we were actually about to fuck. Got to get you right where i want you. <clears throat> okay. So, can you hear that all right? This is why I need live shows. This is why I need girls at the live shows. Can you hear me all right? Can you hear this? You can hear that? Now, my question is, you can hear that real well. What is that? What is that? I'm hearing hands, hands, hands. One hand. What is it? How about this, can I make it clear, what's that, no, not scratching my beard, this very clear sound you can hear is the sound of knuckles rubbing over my chest. Now, that doesn't sound all that sexy to me, personally, but it is prelude, so you understand. You have an idea that this is a hand on a shirt on a chest, and that's where it is. So just listen to it real quick so that you have an idea of the positioning. Do you think you have a good mental image? Good. Because this, is what I wanted you to hear. That is a very difficult noise to fake, especially in such close quarters. So, for any girl who knows what that sound or those sounds mean, enjoy that. Because I sure as shit do. And on with the show. Billy sat at the bar with his friends and told yet again, now, he had seen her. She was up at the ridge this time, all in black, a funny kind of cape thing, and then she did something with her hands that made the spark of light come out, and then she seemed to throw it up in the air. They all laughed at him. Yeah, right, Billy. You saw the town witch, and she did a magic spell right in front of you. Fuck you, sneered Billy. In fact, fuck the lot of you. I'm so fed up with you all, I'm taking the piss out of me on this. I know what I saw, and I'm going to prove it. And then you all have to eat your words. He grabbed his drink, finished it off, and then walked out on his friends, although sometimes he wasn't that sure that friends was the right word, but they were the closest thing he had for sure. Dot, dot, dot. He passed along the path often. It was not the most direct route, but he liked having to see her a few times, and he found himself walking it even more often. Tonight was later than usual. The sun was slipping down in the sky, turning into trees, into long-fingered silhouettes that cast long, deep shadows that accompanied him as he walked. As he got to the place where he had last seen her, he glanced up, but she wasn't there. With a sigh, he walked on. He had his phone in his pocket already. He was determined to get her picture. That would shut his friends up once and for all. Billy. He stopped dead in his tracks and listened. He could have sworn he just heard someone call his name, but after a moment of silence, he decided he must be imagining things and set off again. Oh, Billy. This time he sprung around on the path and she was sitting right up one of the tree branches. I thought you were going to walk right on by. She said. Billy was rooted to the spot. He thought he was a good feet away and it sounded like she was whispering right into his ear. Come on, Billy. Come up here. He knew this was his chance to get a picture with her, so he wrapped his hand around his phone in his pocket and walked back along the path toward her. He slid down towards the branch as he approached her black cape, briefly billowing out around. They faced one another, and much to Billy's surprise, she was really rather beautiful. He had been expecting an old hag, not a dark-haired siren. She smiled down at him, and he realized he was smiling back up at her. In response, come, come on, she said, beckoning him towards her. He had to use both of his hands to scramble up the bank, but he had not forgotten about the pictures. Just, well, the closer the better, he thought to himself. Oh, you are such a pretty boy. She purred as he joined her on the ridge. Look at those succulent lips. As she traced a slender finger over them, they tingled beneath her touch, as if she was passing the electric current through him. He wanted to step back, break the connection between them, but he couldn't. What are you? he asked. She laughed in response. What am I... <laughs> Oh, Billy. You're so silly. Do people call you that? Silly Billy? No. He pounded her. Are you sure? She teased. Yes. He snapped back. Her hand shot out from beneath her cape and then wrapped herself tightly around his neck. It was so fast Billy didn't even see it coming. One moment he was standing there and the next he was pinned tightly against the trunk of the huge tree behind him. He could feel her nails dragging into her flesh like sharp little blades that felt like they might slice into his skin if he fought her. Silly Billy, she said. Shall we play a game? She didn't wait for Billy to respond, but merely carried on. I will ask you questions, and you will tell me answers. (laughs) It's such a simple game. So here goes. Is your cock hard? Billy was momentarily stunned at the question that tried to pull him away from her hard and tightening grip. As he gasped and felt her nails digging deeper into his flesh, he felt himself calm slightly. And then, much to his shame, he realized that his dick was not only hard, but throbbing inside his pants. Yes. She looked delighted with the response. Would you let me touch it? His heart thumped inside his chest. He wanted to say no, but his brain and mouth seemed to not be working well together. And suddenly, he heard himself say yes again. With her free hand, she unzipped his fly and released his cock from the tight confines of his trousers. Her eyes lit up when she saw it. Oh, my Billy. Oh, my Billy. She crooned at him. Maybe I should call you Big Billy rather than Silly Billy. She giggled like a little schoolgirl as she wrapped her hand around his shaft and started to stroke him. If it wasn't for her tight grip around his neck holding him up, Billy was fairly sure that his legs would have buckled beneath him at the overwhelming sensation of her touch. She looked into his eyes as she worked his dick, watched his every reaction, smiling when he groaned as she sped up her pace. Am I doing it right? She asked with faux, wide-eyed innocence. Billy's only response was a strangled moan. Oh, I'll take that as a yes. She replied and continued to pump away at his cock. Do you want to come for me, Billy? She finally asked. He tried nodding, but her hand on his neck made it almost impossible. I need you to say it. She said, I have to hear the word. Yes. I want to come for you. He groaned at her as she let herself go off his penis, and she cocked her head to one side, contemplating him. And then she reached out with just one single finger and drew the nail along the underside of his full shaft. It felt like fire, and he cried out. Say it, Billy. Tell me. Just say it. Then it will be yours. She ran the nail along his cock again. Even though it felt like she was slicing him open, the need to orgasm was not remotely diminished. In fact, quite the opposite. Please, he rasped out, please, yes, I want to come for you. (laughs) Oh, good, silly Billy. She exclaimed, and her hand returned to its former position, and just with a few firm strokes, his orgasm tore through him with such intensity that he thought he was going to pass out. Her hand left his, and she muttered something incomprehensible to Billy, and then he was on his knees, panting and gasping in front of her. Looking up, she seemed to be tucking somewhere away beneath her cloak. Billy suddenly realized, now that this was his moment, he reached into his pocket, drew out his phone, and swiped at the screen, desperate to get the camera mode up and ready. He tried to get to his feet, but his legs didn't quite seem to be working, and the next thing he knew, he was tumbling down the embankment with a laughter ringing in his ears. Eventually... He came to stop down the path. He came to look back up at her, and she was silhouetted against him. The sparkle of light shimmered at the end of her finger. He held up the camera and took the shot. Some time later. I did it, he said as he banged his phone down on the bar in front of his friends. I got the picture. Definitive proof that I'm not making this up. This shit is right here on my phone, he declared. They all looked at him in stunned silence. Of course, it was Alice who spoke first. She was such a bitch. You're full of shit, Bill. No, I am not. And he grabbed his phone and found the camera. See, look. He said, and he turned it all to face them. There was a silence as they all peered at his device. He <laughs> nearly had me convinced for a moment there. Teased Alice as the group all laughed in response. Are you fucking blind? Billy challenged. Look, she's right there, sparkly finger and all. He jabbed at the screen and then turned it to face him. His heart stilled in his chest at what he saw. Everything exactly as it had been, the sun, the trees, the clouds. But not a trace of her. He looked at this image multiple times on his way back. She had been there every time. And now she was gone. Hey, Billy, what'd you do to your neck, man? Asked Jack as Billy sat at the bar nursing a pint of lager his friends had bought him when he had collapsed the pail and shaking at their feet. Billy reached up and touched the marks on his neck. They felt hot and tender to the touch, and much to his shame, his cock twitched in his pants as he ran his fingers Over. over the marks. Willing Billy by Molly Moore. M-O-O-R-E. One last pitch for tips tonight. One last link for tips tonight. We got one last little bit of porn to go ahead and close us on out with. Uh, thank you so much for everybody coming on out tonight. I really do appreciate it and you. I hope you're enjoying as we try and figure out this format, what we're going to do with more live stuff, more live shows, more live energies. Uh, just a real quick brag because a lot of people came out and listened to me live talk today for about five hours. I also did some one-on-one client work this morning, and I also did some update and social media stuff today. So I am literally at the end of today having done 10, 11 hours of work. And I'm a little tired. You can probably hear it in my voice. A little tired because I have done so much creative work today. But I also really enjoyed it. I also loved it. I had a great time, I'm so flattered. The fact that women come out, that they see me, that you have these requests from me. I feel so honored, I feel so sexy, I'm trusted with your fantasies. Thank you so much. It is an honor to be here. Allie's not here right now, but for the whole team, the chat monitors and the server, every lady of the night, and of course, deep, deep down from my heart, thank you. I've never enjoyed doing 11 hour days so much in my life. I've never wanted to do more 11-hour days in my life, and I was never more unable physically to do them. So as the stamina bar increases, as I get more and more spoons, as I use spoons to make spoons these days is what I'm calling it, just know that I am very, very grateful for you. So. It's going to be a real quick piece, so if you're trying to masturbate, you're going to have to go quick. I'm just telling you, not trying to be crass, not trying to be crude after all that romance, after all that nice. I'm just going to say, if you want to hit the love button, you've got to get got to get right on it. You got to get right on it you can not this is not a dilly-dally. You can't wait for the witch to start doing some act two bullshit. This is a shorter piece than we normally do around here. So if you want to close it out on the love button, if for some reason you didn't masturbate enough, and I know you did to the Batman stuff, I know you did. I know you did. I know you've come twice to both the Joe Rogan and the Batman bits tonight. Don't tell me you didn't, you naughty, naughty minx. All right. If I ask nicely, with no disrespect intended, will you agree to not wear panties when we meet for lunch tomorrow? Jason and I are nearing a week of intense email correspondence on a senior hookup site. We exchange non-graphic photos and glean details of each other's erotic tastes. We discuss his history of relationships with partners who were, shall we say, something less than women of their word. Jason, a high-end art dealer, is wide-shouldered with iron-gray hair and the darkest brown eyes I've ever seen. A curling of dark chest hair springs from the open collar of his shirt. His look arouses me. I imagine myself in bed with him, beneath him. In fact, with my legs wrapped around his midsection, and his cock rock hard and rammed into the hilt inside me. We're in the process of arranging a time and a place for an intentional, initial meeting when the question is posed. There's no right or wrong answer, he continues, as if anticipating my surprise. Please understand, I want us to meet whether you wear panties or not. But since you've described yourself as a daring woman with an active sexual history, I'm curious to know how daring you might actually be. No panties. I muse, and reading the email, I can't help but smile. Seriously? I'm pushing 70, and a grandmother, for God's sake. Jason admits to 60, but there's men who are always older than they say. Does he really think I'll show up on a first date wearing stockings? A garter belt, and nothing more than my bare pussy beneath my skirt. The image raises the heat level between my thighs. I smile, reflecting on years ago, while in a cast up to my groin, after severely breaking my ankle in a skiing accident, I gave in to an impulse and flashed a bus driver from my wheelchair while being pushed down the street by a lover on San Francisco's. Fisherman's Wharf. I was wearing a long skirt with no panties beneath it. My skirt was flipped up and back and down for a moment, but that must driver almost lost control. The moment of flashing was powerful for me. The thrill of my daring act made me sore. And even now, years later, my pussy lips tingle at the swell of the memory. Should you agree, Jason continues, I want to caress it as well. The no panties idea is oddly appealing. I respond, so for our initial meeting tomorrow, I'll be wearing a red satin top, a garter belt, and stockings, and a black patterned knee-length skirt, beneath which my pussy will be bare. I don't know if I'll let you caress it or not, but I promise you, it will be at least momentarily on view. I haven't been so excited to meet a woman in years, Jason replies. And I'm excited, too. Bare pussy like a wanton slut. The words resonate in my mind. I smile flushed with excitement. The next day, as our lunch date approaches, I take great pains with my makeup and don each item of clothing with a carefree flimsy black bra and a red tank top, delight in the silky feel of the garments against my skin. Easing my nylons up over the length of my legs is a simple matter. Fastening my rear garters is less so. So, requiring considerable twisting and turning, but, since I live alone, I have no choice but to prevail. I imagine how I might appear to one of my women friends. Wow, I can hear them say, who knew that the old girl still has it in her? Checking my wall mirror, I decided my stocking seams are straight before pausing to admire the sight of my pussy. I stroke my silvery pubic curls lightly, sending pulsing jolts of sensation straight to my clit. I slip into my heels and pull back my shoulders so that my less-than-firm breasts protrude up and forward to the max. I step into my skirt, zip it, shift my weight to one hip and strike a foxy pose. Not bad for a senior sex goddess to decide, surveying my image, at least in kind light. I step outside. The cool, damp weather concerns me. I'd hope for sunlight so Jason and I can sit comfortably on the patio, since I imagine it might be easier to flash my bare pussy outside. I imagine, somehow, I think with determination, I am, after all, a woman of my word. I can't wait to meet you and look forward to the viewing more than words can say. Jason writes in his final email in the last evening, Seeing your delicious pussy bared in public will drive me wild. Drive me wild. I recall his words as I get into my car. I hope it's in the cards for us. It's been a while since I felt my body heat for a man. My heart leaps around in my chest as I park in the restaurant and a step from the car. I inhale deeply and exhale slowly to steady myself. Then, on my exhale, I march, head high, shoulders squared, hips swinging straight towards the front door. A wide-shouldered man in a well-cut gray jacket stands in the entryway near the reservations counter. He flashes me an engaging smile as I enter the building, obviously delighted by my appearance. And in that moment, I see my pure chance. Jason stands alone at the reservation desk at the entryway and out of the host's field of vision. Seizing my opportunity, and without breaking my stride, I lift the hem of my skirt to my waist and flash my bare pussy as I approach him. Jason's eyes widen and his mouth drops open in unabashed admiration as he realizes he's finally met up with a woman of her word. Bear Pussy by Dorothy Freed. And what a fantastic note to go ahead and call it on. Very empowering, very sexy, very fun. Thank you to whoever suggested that with the senior sexiness. I think that was very, very fun, very well written, great perspective. One piece of advice I have for all of the ladies out there, especially who are not very experienced. The first piece, of course, is learn to love yourself and listen to yourself so that you'll know what you'll like when it comes time to get that sexual experience. That's always very important. But number two, remember, it's never about the experience itself. As we put up a final link for the tip show, get ready to go ahead and move on out into the night. It's never about the experience itself. It's all about how the experience involves you. One of the best pieces of BDSM advice I got was I was very nervous about going into a hotel room to meet a woman I'd never seen before. I asked a more experienced Dom because this woman said, hey, I'm going to have an array of toys, but I'm not going to tell you what they are, and they're not standard toys. I come with my own toy case. I like my toys, but I like you reacting to them and not knowing what they are. Are you into that? was the invitation that I got. I said yes, and then, of course, after my penis got the blood out of it, I realized, oh, there could go a lot wrong here. And so I asked an older, more experienced male dom for help. And the advice he gave me was simple. Don't think of it as something to do right or wrong. Think of it as merely the experience. Think of it as something that you're going to do, and something you're going to get out of, something that you want to do, and therefore the outcome is fine no matter what. You want it to be there. So be there, and have it. But if it is in any way good, don't focus on the good that you're having in the experience. Focus on doing something that night that you'll remember 25 years from now, and it will still make you smile, it'll still make you hard, it'll still make you laugh. Right, I did that. That was his advice. It was very good advice. When you don't know what to do in a situation, go in for just the experience, go with an open mind, and try your best to have good with it. I bring that up not to tell you about what happened in that hotel room or not about any of the deeply unusual toys that she had. That's an experience for Daddy that he does think about for him and, as you can probably tell, is currently smiling doing so. I bring it up because that piece we had, not only is it about not losing it as you move through life, not giving up your sexiness, feeling empowered, but I also really enjoyed the fact that it talked about how she had an experience at 70, because somewhere much younger in life, she had a similar brave experience. That felt good, she enjoyed it, and that empowered her to have this sexual experience. And the same is true for you. You're not too old, it's not too late, you're not too fat, you're not too unattractive, that hair is fine, you look fantastic, yes you, yes you are sexy, yes right now, yes you don't agree, no you didn't agree back then, back when you were younger and thinner and had different hair that you liked more, you were still complaining back then about who you were and how you looked and how your hair looks. And if you were drinking enough water, and, 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 just like you are now, you've just forgotten. So while you are here now, instead of thinking about then or what will be, while you're here now, now here with me, hear me now. Try and have an experience for you, whatever it is. Sexual, simple, romantic, friendship, open. And if you don't know what you want, don't have a hallmark, Clarissa explains it all, meltdown. Because nobody knows what they want. Nobody knows what they want until they get a fair amount of it, and a fair amount of what they know for sure they don't. Nobody knows what they want until they try. And sometimes people have to try to figure out if they really do. It's just the way of the world, and nobody is that much more confident than you. Not unless they've tried a lot of things. I promise. Okay. That's the end of the show. I hope you all get laid. I hope you all have fun. Thank you so much. I had an amazing day performance. I really had a lot of fun. Music is going to kick up at the bottom. If you're in the left-hand side of the Discord server, music's going to kick up. We're going to have the music lounge. It's a really easy robot to go ahead and throw music in. Everybody's welcome to. We just throw music in. We listen. We chill out while Daddy eats dinner. Thank you so much for coming out again. I want to thank... Absolutely everybody who contributed to this podcast in every single way. Serena, uh, you're doing a fantastic job. I really appreciate you. Everybody from the chat, and everybody on the show appreciates you. Aria, thank you so much for everything always. Uh, stepping up, uh, of course, with Ali being out. I appreciate it. I had to rely on you a lot more than I normally would. And you stepped up in every way from the show, from everybody, from me. Thank you, Aria, for making that a smooth thing, especially since you basically had to MC two shows today. Oh my goodness. Uh, Everybody who came out for the first quote-unquote show, thank you very much. Everybody who tipped, thank you very much. Everybody who spreads this on social media, thank you very much. Everybody who said hello, all the new girls who came out, I know that's very difficult, thank you very much. I appreciate it and all of you. As you can hear, I am tired as fuck. Uh, I gave today all my creative energy. I've got zero spoons left. It's been a long time since I've done that and it feels fantastic. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna eat, I'm gonna listen to some tunes in a bit after I get some food in my belly, after I play with my cat a little bit, and just know that you're sending me off to a real good weekend. Uh, Gaming streams on Saturday, it is back. If it's Saturday, if it's 9 p.m. Eastern, I should be getting ready to start a scary game stream. Uh, I will be doing also non-scary game streams. Uh, Again, I haven't figured out that schedule yet, uh, the rest of 2019, I'm just leveling with you. There's gonna be scary green Saturday, and there's gonna be sporadic gaming streams. Because the rest of 2019 is all about nailing seasons two and three of the podcast. It's about getting the live shows up to another level. It's about the. There's just a couple of other priorities, and sitting around and playing video games. I want to get a couple more things done, and then I'll sit around and play video games for money while high as balls a lot more often. There will be more, but just not as much as some of us, including me, would like. So. Uh, Thank you very much again. There are, as all of you know, at all times with the gun to your head, only 122 days left until Christmas. How many of them will you work to give Daddy the biggest fucking tip of your life? All right. Thank you very, very much. That's, that's, yeah, I don't know where you thought that was going. That's where it's going. You have 122 days left to do Christmas shopping, by which I mean picking up an extra shift or two and giving me all that fucking money because of how important I am to you. All right. Thank you very, very much, everyone. Christ is Lord. I love him, and that's why you have to do it, because you know I celebrate the holly uh, deeply. Little baby Jesus. love that guy. He's fantastic. Tops. Tops. I'm not guilting you into anything. Tops. I'm just laying it down. Tops. Him and me. Me and JC. Like, ugh. All right. Thanks again for everybody for coming out. I got to go before I get even more loopy. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And good night.